I am Sherry Fletcher, and this is your spiritual game plan. Our family is going through a big transition this month, and I'd love for you to join us. I will be going from mother to mother-in-law, my husband from father to father-in-law. Our son will go from our little man to her husband. Like I always say, her roles are going to change. There will be days ahead when I'm going to question my relevance. There will be days when we're going to miscommunicate. But I know one thing for sure. Even though our roles are changing, our purpose remains eternal. God has a plan for my son and his bride. The enemy has a plot against it. So I am dedicating this month to providing my son and his bride a marriage spiritual game plan. I'm so excited to be taking on this new role. But before I give up my former one, I'd like to give one more piece of advice to my dear sweet son. Remember that familiar verse found in Isaiah 32:8, the words that still hang on the wall of our home today. A noble man makes a noble plan, so on noble deeds he can stand. Now, let's get this wedding theme going. Today wraps up the month of marriage theme here on my podcast. My son is now married, and I'm sure that he and his new bride will be getting a lot of advice this first year and throughout their marriage. They will need to discern what is good advice and what is some advice that, well, should probably just be politely thanked for, but not listened to. Who better to ask than the professionals at Expedition Marriage, Chris and Jamie Bailey? Chris and Jamie are professional counselors and marriage coaches who are passionate about helping couples live their best lives together. They desire for your marriage to be able to reflect the love, grace, forgiveness, and vitality that it was made to have. Chris and Jamie have made it their passion to bring healing and sustaining joy back into hurting and hopeless marriages through speaking, writing, a great social media presence, and their podcast, Expedition Marriage, Chris and Jamie take on the fun and not so fun topics that we will face in our marriage. Today, they're going to share their experience both personally and through their practice of the advice that we should listen to and what we shouldn't listen to. I am so excited to be introducing you guys to Chris and Jamie Bailey. Thank you for joining me this morning. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having us. We're really, this is a blessing. This is fun. Yeah. I'm just excited. I got both of you on here. I've been, um, I don't know if stalking is the right word, but I have just been enjoying all your social media stuff and sending it out. It's been so much fun to, to watch you guys. So I'm excited that you're here. And I'd love if you just share a little bit about where you're at and what's going on with your summer. Oh boy, we are in the middle of a big transition in our lives. We just sold our home back in September last year after we've lived there for 20, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And we are currently building our empty nester house. And so we took the year off while we're building and we've been traveling the different states and going all over. And right now we're currently with our daughter. We keep making frequent stops back there to <laughs> live with her on the farm. Um, but we've been having a good time but also a challenging time. It's living on the road and out of luggage 
it, it's fun, but it's also not so fun. Yeah, it's more fun at, at the beginning than it is yes. after a few months in. Yeah, so we are in a big, big stage of transition right now. Yeah, that's fun on a marriage too, isn't it? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, I have one question that I ask every guest, but I would love to hear each one of you answer it individually. And that is looking back on your life, how far back can you look and see the very purpose that you're living out today and who you have always been? Ooh, I would say um, for me, you know, as a counselor now, you know, I can take it back to a specific moment. You know, I grew up in a fairly dysfunctional home, had a lot of strife in the home and, and some problems going on. And in sixth grade, we were asked to write a report about what we wanted to be when we grew up. And my report was all about wanting to be a psychologist. You know, I ended up as a counselor, obviously, and not quite a psychologist, but it's the same, you know, line of thinking. And I knew I had suffered a lot and needed support. And I was always struggling with the fact that I didn't have any friends or any parent or my parents or teachers or neighbors that would step in and intervene and advocate for me. And I always felt so alone. And so I remember writing that paper and just really believing I'm never going to let anybody hurt alone. And so my own wounding and my own, you know, scars that I've, you know, got along the way, they're the exact thing that God uses in my life to help others. But I've always had that mindset of nobody should ever suffer alone. Suffering is bad enough, but it is worse when it's ha when it has to be done alone. And so that's kind of always been who I am. It's just mm -hmm. a, a people helper. Yeah. Mm. Well, yours is much better than mine. <laughs> no, I'll trade you. I'm just, yeah, that is true. I, mean, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a believing household. So, you know, they, we didn't become believers till our late twenties. And, mm -hmm. uh, but it is interesting to see back, to look back, to see back, to look back and to see, uh, I've always kind of been the friend that other friends were, would come and talk to and share mm -hmm. things with, I guess I've always been easy to talk with. Yeah. Uh, and so I can see where. God may have been setting up because I enjoyed that. I enjoyed kind of, you know, being there and be, I guess a source of comfort really. I didn't, mm -hmm. now that I look back and think about that, uh, helping people to feel better about their situation, know that they're not alone in it mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that they have somebody on their side. Mm -hmm. I asked that question because I hear so many people of all ages say they need to find themselves. And that's kind of where I started my ministry was working with youth and then through their mom, their moms got involved. But when they say, I need to find myself. And I was like, you know, if you really look back yeah. at how God has used you all along, mm. you don't need to find yourself. You know, this is who you are. God has made you. You're a masterpiece. That's intentional. That's not something we just, you know, put on the floor after we're done making and make a masterpiece, try to figure out why it was created. And so I just love listening to people's story and seeing how God intentionally wove them for how he's using them all throughout life. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It just unfolds over time and it never stops. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I was just, I was just thinking as far as, cause I used to say something like that a lot, like, you know, like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And, you know, and, and even, you know, my, you know, early thirties, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, just yeah. go through. Yeah. We train kids by asking them, what are you going to be when you grow up? And then they, and then what do you, and then as they grow up, it's like, so what do you do? So I was yeah. like, Oh, I'm, you know, who, what I do is who I am, but yet God's like, no, you, you know, you might have different roles in your life, but you're who I mm -hmm. created you to be. That's so. right. 
I love listening. Thank you for taking the time and answering that. So this is the last episode of my month of marriage in August. And my son got married on the 21st and he and his wife did go through premarital counseling, but I'm sure that they're going to continue to get advice as newlyweds um, from all these well-intended people. Um, (laughs) When they do, I'm sure that, you know, most of it will be good and from trusted resources, but that does not mean that all of it is great advice or should be listened to. So that's why I asked you guys to join me today to help them and and other listeners get perspective on what advice is commonly given um, that they really don't need to listen to. So um, I've been married 30 years and I want to dive into one of the first questions that I heard you guys ask on this podcast, because I'm still hearing it after 30 years. What is the common piece of advice that you guys see still permeating today? Oh, there's so many. There are so many. Um, You know, one of the most common is probably still the marriage is 50-50. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is just so that's not God's plan for us in marriage. You know, when we enter into our marriage covenant and into our marriage, we are to be all in. You know, we don't want to show up with 50% and then expect the spouse to meet you at that other 50%. You get focused on fairness. And what we know about Jesus and his death on the cross for us, fairness was not even Mm. on his radar Mm. at all. And that is not the design he has for us in marriage. And if you enter into marriage thinking it's going to be fair and 50-50, you're going to be very disappointed and you're going to end up very resentful of your spouse because your whole focus is on, you know, keeping a list and, you know, checking off everything they're doing and everything they're not doing. And you're missing the entire point of being able to love one another sacrificially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was even thinking in Ecclesiastics where it talks about two's better for, than one. Mm-hmm. And if one falls down, the other one's there to help them up. Well, not if it's 50, 50. Well, you know, if you come, if you will come up halfway, then I'll, then I'll, <laughs> then pick, I'll, you lift you. I'll pick up the rest of the way. <laughs> right. <True>. right. <laughs> my, my favorite um, one to rant about is happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm. And that was actually probably a big bone of contention in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and, it would, and by that, I mean, I followed that to our detriment yeah. when, when we were first married. Yeah, because that was what we set ourselves up for. I made it his job to keep me happy. Mm-hmm. That was, and his personality is bent towards that. You know, he's a little bit in the pleaser category. And so it really <laughs> got it. unhealthy for mm-hmm. us because marriage became all about me. It wasn't 50, 50, it was a hundred zero. It was you do everything for me because my mm-hmm. happiness, happiness was the utmost importance. And that is not, that's not accurate. And we don't want to set mm-hmm. up a relationship like that. Well, it's also, I mean, I hate to put it this way, but it's a, this same reasoning or same logic behind why we don't give children candy because they're throwing a fit in the store. Right. Right. You know, we do not grow that stuff. We become more sophisticated in how it presents. Yeah. We have adult tantrums still to this day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That is so true. Yeah. I, I always wondered that when my kids were in the grocery store and someone would say, Oh, they were throwing a fit. Oh, do you want me to give them a sticker? I'm like, what? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't want to reward this. <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, one day my son was throwing a fit off topic, not the one that got married. And he was throwing a fit, and I just, I just, I just whispered in his ear that you know because of that he was not going to get to watch the Mariners that afternoon. We had already discussed it, and he threw the fit, and he starts crying super loud in the grocery store. Mommy, can't you just spank me, please? Please, mommy, can't you just spank me? And I'm like, shh. shh, shh. 
that's great. So that's made me think of that. But so the one that the one there's one that you know everyone keeps saying still a lot of them. But don't go to bed angry. Oh, Mm -hmm. I I, you know I heard you guys say that, and I had to agree with you. My husband and I um, one time in one of our counseling sessions, I loved how the counselor said everyone climbs this mountain called anger or frustration. about the same pace, kind of straight up. We all kind of mm-hmm. escape, but we all come down so differently and we all take a different path down. Mm-hmm. And I'm a silent processor. So when I hit my max of whatever's coming at me, uh, it's not going to get good from there. <laughs> it's not <gonna> right. get <laughs> better. And I need to, to shut down and just have a little bit of time alone and quiet to kind of process what we're discussing. And, and we've agreed that if it's still going on, by nine or nine thirty, unless it's a life-altering discussion, it's over whether we've <laughs> whether we've yeah. resolved right. it or not. Well, yeah. Right. Well, if you think about that that advice, and they do get it, it it comes from a scripture. You know, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so there's you know good intentions behind it. But if you think about, I would never advise somebody wait till you're really ready to relax and you're exhausted and then have your argument. Yeah. You know, that's when you're going to have your best solution skills. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work that way. In fact, we tell mm. people to avoid that. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. Once I get escalated, I need to step away and take time. And for us, that was always hard because he's the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. I'm a chaser. Yes. And so he would so be when the she one. Runs, yeah. To yeah. follow and go, let's resolve this now. And if I were to do that, I would just be more explosive and more angry. And so what that scripture is, is it's basically telling us we need to deal with our anger. Mm -hmm. If we let anger take root, if we let it go beyond that 24 hour, you know, time period, we're going to have a problem with bringing it back up and dealing with it, Mm -hmm. or we're going to let anger win at that point. And so is all that verse is talking about, it really, it's, it's a call to spiritual maturity. It's a call to process and think about things and deal with our anger. It's not a call to do it before sunset. Because that's even the real ironic part about it, because in the Jewish calendar, the next day started with sunset. Mm-hmm. And most of our arguments, right, <laughs> let's be honest, don't start until after we get in bed. So that's the beginning of the next day. So really, you've got until dinner time the next the day, next day to even resolve it to, to deal mm-hmm. with that. So, you know, it's, you know, when people are hungry, when they're tired, right, mm-hmm. when they're, they're stressed out, these are not great times to try to resolve issues or bring up things. Um, but as Jamie was saying, resentments will grow if we let them sit there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. resentment is a crushing weight to marriages. It just, just crushes the life out of it. Yeah. And so that's the real call is take your time process and deal with this Mm -hmm. and not don't let a full day go by without dealing with it. And not everything in the moment is is as big as it feels in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, you know, after we let things pass for a little bit, we realize, yeah, I was just a little out of sorts or, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm glad I didn't open my mouth because if I did, yeah, we would have had an argument over something silly. And yeah. Or I was just mad because I was so tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I was hangry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Back to like our little kids in same temper tantrum, just got uh, older and uglier. Right. Mm-hmm. Just adult sized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not pretty. No. So- one thing my kids are used to me saying um, is emotions have no IQ. Mm. Um, and that if we make an emotion an end goal, 
that we're really setting ourselves up for disappointment because the yeah. emotions come and go and change. And, and so one of the biggest examples I used to say was, you know, um, I'm not, I didn't like it when people say, I just want you to be happy. Cause I would tell my kids, no, I'm not, I'm not here to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to marriage, you know, of course there should be a lot of times when we're happy, it's, you know, good. Oh, marriage, yeah. We're happy, but what are some of the goals that marriage should be along with happiness? Well, you know, <laughs> holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know what, if, if we're Christ centered, if we're putting God in the center of our marriage, you know, if, if the goal of, for all of us, right. Everybody has their own individual purpose, right. Mm-hmm. We all, God has a plan has made us all for our own plans that only we can fulfill and our marriage has mm-hmm. a purpose and a plan that only our marriage can fulfill. But there's also some general generalities, like all believers, the purpose is to become more made in the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we should, in our, the sanctifying relationship called marriage should be helping one another become more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And so there should be a whole, I mean, it's a sacred relationship. It's God, that's God ordained, God put together. So we, it should be used to help each other become more like Christ every day. Um, and through that, and through pleasing God uh, and, and loving each other, like we're asked to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, not just the people on the street, you know, start at home <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, and doing all those little things then there should be a joy mm-hmm. that comes out. There should be a satisfaction, you know, a, a, a comfort level. Yeah, the happiness. Yeah, and a teamwork, feeling like mm-hmm. each other has one another's back and that we're a team in this. Um, and it's not just 50-50, right? We're, we're all, mm-hmm. we've got your back no matter what happens and no matter what goes on. Yeah. So there's a big security, a deep security with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so happiness, I mean, it's, it's not the goal because you're so right. It will move mm-hmm. happiness. Our happiness can change in the split in a split second. And we, that's going to be a natural byproduct when we use our marriages to glorify God, to fulfill our unique purpose and to help sanctify one another and become more like Christ. Happiness is going to follow that. Not mm-hmm. all the time, but a lot of the time when we are living the way God wants us to, Happiness is usually a result of that, even yeah. when it's hard. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm gonna go go rogue. I was thinking with the happiness, you could be at Disney, the, the happiest place in the world, but not be, but then get in a long line, or yeah. or see that <laughs> it's, it's see that it's an hour and fifty minutes for the ride you want to go on. Mm-hmm. It's so true. <laughs> yep, I love that metaphor. I'm a metaphor person. Never metaphor I didn't like, so I love that one. That was good. Yeah, nice. I will be taking that. Okay, you can take that. (laughs) Uh, Just tag me in that, okay? Okay, (laughs) So, um, like I mentioned earlier, we're talking to newlyweds here. So, romance and passion is probably not an area where people will be giving them advice right away. Um, But I've been married 30 years, and I know that my kids don't want to hear this from me. So, I'm going to let you guys talk about this Mm -hmm. issue on, you know, the belief that a good marriage should always, you know, have this alive romance and passion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ideally, 
it does most of the time, mm-hmm. but there are seasons where we go through change. When we transition, maybe if we have children, we go from husband and wife to mom and dad, and we start mm-hmm. living like that. And there are, you know, physical health problems that come along the way, job stressors, all kinds of things that will interfere with that emotional intimacy, that sexual intimacy, and just intimacy in general. And we have to learn one of the best things you can do is learn how to pivot well. Mm-hmm. Because life is always going to throw changes at you. And during those changes, we can have our intimacy and our connection affected. There's times where we can't talk as much. And and if you don't have emotional intimacy, you're not going to have physical intimacy. But then there's also seasons where it's wonderful and it's great. But as long as you maintain that emotional intimacy and you prioritize communicating and talking with one another it's okay to have those little short seasons of grace where we're just tired. We got three little kids running around or whatever it is. And that's okay. The baby's colicky and we can't get any sleep. Right. And so there's oh, always going oh, to be giving me flashbacks. Right. <laughs> A little traumatizing during those years. Yeah. When, you know, when I, when everybody's hanging all over me, you know, it's not necessarily wanting to invite somebody else to be hanging all over. Exactly. Me. Exactly. You know, and there's a, and you know, the saying that the honeymoon's over, they say that for a reason that the honeymoon's over because there's, you know, a, these chemicals that we mm-hmm. had that brought us into the relationship right. that then drop off. And so we have to, as Jamie was saying, we have to make sure that the emotional intimacy is there because that's going to carry us through so much all the way to the end of our marriage when, not to be overly honest, but when nothing else is really working, right? the emotional intimacy is going to be there for us. Right, right. Yep, absolutely. Well, that was, you know, one of the things um, in this day and age is just, you know, these, these young marriages that we've grown apart or the romance is dead. Um, you know, of course that's the enemy, but it, mm-hmm. it takes work. It takes work, but that emotional connection is just so much stronger um, yeah. in the long run. Yeah. yeah. Much and, richer. And it takes an intentionality to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Very intentional. So, you know, in our vows and in my, my son's vows, there's the till death do we part. And normally we're thinking about a physical death, but there are some things that contribute to the life or a death of a marriage. What, do, what were some of the things that you guys have seen that are relationship killers? Uh, a big one is, I mean, lack of communication, mm-hmm. but also blaming. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so many couples we would see in our office and they're, they're showing up and they're wanting to tell us everything their spouse is doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to get them to shift their focus on. Yeah. But what are you bringing to the table? You know, yes, they may be doing something wrong or inappropriate, but what are you doing? And even how are you responding to that? And so blaming your spouse will absolutely start to kill and take life from your relationship because it, it sets, when I start blaming him, it automatically puts him in a position of defensiveness. Oh yeah. And so I blame him and boom, he starts building a wall up to protect himself from me. And there's no growth there. And you continue to do that over time. And you're going to end up with a pretty big wall between the two of you. Yeah. Well, you know, and here's, here's a saying for you. I have all my little pithy little statement sayings and I love them, (laughs) Yes. Um, but you know, it's that defensiveness, right? So when Jamie's coming out with at me like that, then I get defensive. Well, then it's you versus me. When there's you Mm -hmm. versus me, there can't be a we. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and so that's that's something that 
we've got to go start with ourselves, that personal responsibility. Right. My another thing I would say, and something that I personally had struggled with earlier in our relationship is withholding how I really felt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so there there would be this withholding that would come out maybe a couple of weeks later. Right. But in the in the meantime, it was resentment. It was it was I was holding that against Jamie and she didn't even know. She didn't even know. And then, you know, then we'd have this argument and then it would come out and then that would erode trust because right. then she's like, well, hold on. You know, so you're telling me this now. So you were, were you, are you lying now? Were you lying then? Were you lying then? Are you lying now? And how can I trust what you're saying now mm-hmm. is how things really are. And you're not going to tell me something different in a week or two. Yeah. And there are a lot of marriages that are affected by that kind of passivity that he's talking about Mm -hmm. and they will withhold and not share how they're feeling and just keep harboring that resentment while their, their spouse has no idea that's going on because it's not communicated to them. Yeah. And sometimes what can happen that will really kill a relationship fast. And we see this commonly is a partner. Usually it's the men not saying women don't do it, but it's usually the man that will just ultimately shut down and they'll take on this attitude. You know what? I'm not ever going to make you happy anyway. I can never do anything right. So they withdraw and they just quit caring. Mm -hmm. And when you get to where you have only one partner working on the marriage, that's when you can get in, in real big trouble with that. And so you always have to be willing to address things and to not let the sun go down on anger and to not be passive and just show up in your marriage authentically and assertively and being willing to talk about the issues that come up because sweeping them under the rug, that's probably the most common couple we see is the ones that like grew up in the household where we don't deal with problems. We just sweep them under the rug and just move, move on. And that's exactly what Paul, you know, is telling us to do when don't withhold your anger because he doesn't want us doing that because Mm -hmm. the rug gets very lumpy. It opens us up to, uh, to attacks. It opens yeah. us up to, you know, being able to, to be divided and conquered. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My mind was thinking metaphor, you know, got all this stuff under the rug. It's, it's dark. It's hidden from the light of Christ. It's under there. Yes. It's dark. And that's where the, that's the enemy does all his work in the darkness um, mm-hmm. because he can't take light. And so when all these things are shoved under and they're mm-hmm. in this dark environment. The devil just, he just has at it and he just makes them bigger monsters. He makes them, mm. right. you know, and so being able to bring them into the light of Christ um, is just so important. Yes, yeah, that's great. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, one of the concepts I heard you guys talk about, I loved it was asking backwards. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> why do we do this? And what is a better communication pattern to start off with right away? Sure. Well, one of the things is you have to make sure that you say that slowly, because if not, then you can get in trouble. Um, but, but we will ask backwards because it's actually sometimes harder for, mm-hmm. or, well, not harder. Sometimes it's hard for people to ask for what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That requires asking for what you want requires mm-hmm. vulnerability. Yeah. Some people struggle with this. I will raise my hand high on this one. This was <laughs> this was how I asked for pretty much everything was backwards. I would ask in the form of a complaint because if I want him to be able to figure it out, if he could just see me and know my needs without me having to ask, that's what made me feel like, okay, he really does love me. Mm-hmm. You know, he really cares about me. I he picked really up on gives the clues. Me. Yes. And, and so it feels like if you have to ask for it, sometimes it feels like a loss. 
Mm-hmm. It feels like, well, if I have to ask, then that means you don't care because if you cared, you would have noticed. Right. That is such horrible thinking. That's wrong thinking. And mm-hmm. the same thing about the vulnerability. It does require vulnerability because I could ask for something and he's free to say no. Sure. And, and so that's going to hurt as well. And so I'd rather just, it's easier. It's always easier to feel anger than it is to feel vulnerability. And so it's easier for me to run around the house going, this house is a mess. You know, I'm the only one who does anything and nobody ever helps than it is to say, hey, babe, I'm exhausted today. Can you help me clean up the kitchen? You know, that's more vulnerable because Mm -hmm. that's me also admitting I have a need, which is also hard for a lot of people to do. It's it's, it seems easier to just look at me and see that I have a need and then show me your love for me. By me not having to ask you for that, but you are setting your spouse up to fail Oh sure. and you're setting yourself up to be disappointed and mad at them. And so it really mm-hmm. doesn't work. Well, not to mention some people too. Well, you know, if I ask you, well, now you're only doing it because I asked, not because you wanted to do it. Right. So you're doing it because you feel obligated to do it. And I, what I wanted you to do is I wanted you to do it because you loved me because you saw my need and you wanted to meet the need. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is that we respond to what we see in front of us. And we usually, when we get defensive, lose empathy. Yeah. When so, I'm running around screaming about how he never does anything to help me, yeah, you know, I, it's, it's not, not, he thinking, doesn't run towards that. Yeah. I'm not thinking, Oh, she's, she's feeling vulnerable. She's feeling worn down. She doesn't want to share her, her uh, softer emotions with me because she feels that I could reject her right now. No, I'm going. He's to, thinking run. Look, yeah, yeah, run. Look, I've been doing this and I've been working all this and just, you know, so we both been doing this, you know, why are you telling me I don't do anything? And, you know, I, and then I'm inadequate and I don't, Yeah, it just goes on and on. And so the advice to that person is when you feel because when we when we start to ask backwards, there's usually big emotions that come with that. Mm -hmm. We're frustrated, we're overwhelmed, we're getting angry when you feel those emotions coming on. That's when you hit that pause and ask yourself, what do I really want? Yeah. Okay, I really want help around the house because I'm tired. Then you just stop all the asking backwards and go, you know, what? let me put this into the form of a question. Is it going to be vulnerable? Could he say yes? Can this go wrong? Yes, but that's okay because there's also training involved with this. Marriage is a big training ground. Sure. We're, we're teaching each other our needs and our desires mm-hmm. and the way that we operate, you know, and it's important information your, your spouse needs to have, and you're the best one to teach it Mm -hmm. to them, but they're never going to learn the things you need. If you don't ask for them and just complain about them. Well, we have to learn how to become servants. We have to learn to Mm -hmm. be sacrificial. This is not something that most of us are inherently good at. Yeah. Well, that's why there's so many books on it. Yeah. I mean, there's a good, all the books on all this. If there's not books on how to be angry, we all (laughs) how to be resentful, you know, resentful 101. Like we know that. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So as I was preparing for our time together, I had a really hard time narrowing down my questions. And I did take questions from a few different podcasts and topics and things that I've watched on your social media. So I'm encouraging the listeners right now to, you know, head on over. There's links in the show notes that talk about the episodes I took these from. So um, especially at episodes 49 and 50, but as we close today, what are some sound words of wisdom that you would like to give all of us to keep all of our marriages newly minded? Mm. One of the big ones I would say is never stop growing individually. Always put your personal relationship with Jesus first 
And if you stay connected to him, you are going to be a much better husband and a much better wife Mm -hmm. to be married to. You're going, you are who God is going to use in their life next to God Mm -hmm. himself. He is designed that you are your spouse's greatest resource Mm -hmm. and you need to stay connected to the Lord. And marriage involves a whole lot of humility Mm-hmm. And, and just staying connected to God allows you, you're going to, I mean, even, even if you just look at the fruit of the spirit, if you're focusing on how can I love, how can I be, you know, self-controlled, how can I be kind, all of those and gentle, you're going to have a good marriage. And so if you're always willing to look at yourself and willing to grow individually as a person and grow in the Lord, your marriage is going to unfold in a great way. Mm-hmm. Well, not to mention our motivation. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, okay. So if I'm doing the, the search, if I'm doing certain things to please the Lord, okay, well, God, you're telling me that I'm supposed to be loving. You're telling me that mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be, you know, in all humility to consider them more important than myself. So I'm, you know, or, or to be understanding. So, okay, I'm going to do this. Don't feel like it, but I'm going to mm-hmm. at least do it for you. So that way, when I'm in, you know, before your throne, you, I can get the, the points. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> as, uh, I did my part. As doing unto yeah. the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. My my words of wisdom, be best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that we'll do uh, with our best friends that we would never imagine doing to, you know, well, I guess I said that weird. We would, there's things we would never imagine doing to our best friends that we do to our, that we do to our spouses, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And so if we stay that, we keep that, that connection, we keep curious Mm -hmm. with each other. We keep learning about them. Um, That's actually one of those signs. If you start to see that you've lost curiosity about them and you think, you know, everything there is to know, then you're probably drifting away. That's, mm-hmm. that's a, that's actually a flat or red flag that goes, Hey, you probably need to yeah. do something to re-engage or in your marriage, or you, you might even need some help at that point. Yeah. And that's actually one of the most researched answers, the most, you know, marriage polls that have asked couples who have been together for the long term, for the long haul, what has been like your secret. And it's always been my best. He's my best friend. Mm-hmm. She's my best friend. And so friendship is a foundational part of marriage. So yeah, that's a great one. Thanks, honey. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and having fun, which is, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. part of our enjoying the journey, enjoying the journey right. <laughs> Because that there there is a part of the brain that's that's designated for joy, mm-hmm. you know. Then the the joy of the Lord is our strength. So go figure that our part mm-hmm. of our brain would be made mm-hmm. up like that. And so playing, having date nights, actually, all those things do have a really big impact in our marriages, in our relationships, because then we feel more steady with each mm-hmm. other and less easily shaken by the small things. Yeah, so true. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule and in your daughter's house to join me today and share your (laughs) words of wisdom. Um, I'm going to have all, like I said, all links to you guys will be in the show notes, but just real quickly, tell us what your website is and how my guests can find you. All right. You can find us over at expeditionmarriage.org. And on our website, we've got links to our Instagram page, which is where you can find us most and um, to our own podcast. And you guys are sending me a beautiful autographed copy of your newlywed couples devotional. Give us a little uh, glimpse into that as well. Yes. You want to do that? Oh, yeah, sure. It's it's a 52 week uh, devotional. It actually helps couples focus on being Christ centered. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of the lessons that we might walk couples through or that we have walked couples through in multiple different stages, Mm -hmm. uh, not just newlyweds. 
um, through. So it, we start off with God's word with a prayer so that way couples can pray together out loud and with questions that they're able to ease into how do we make this mm -hmm. a reality in our lives? Yeah. How do we put the, you know, the, where the, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. The application is sometimes the, the hardest part in God's word. And so, you know, how do, can that, what does that look like and how can we apply that and make mm -hmm. it real in our, in our lives and in our marriage? Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add? Nope. That's it. You got it. <laughs> well, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. It was really a pleasure. What a great way to end the month of marriage. I hope that my time with Chris and Jamie blessed you and helped you understand the meaning behind some of the most common advice given about marriage. That is not what God intended. I would love to say a big congratulations to my son and his new bride and that we are so happy for them. I can safely say that both sets of in-laws want nothing more than for your new home to be Christ-centered, built with your best friend and filled with happiness as well as holiness. We love you. If you missed any of the other wedding episodes and or know someone getting married, be sure to go back, listen to, and send the links to episodes 191 through 195.